0: Good internet, and welcome to Super GG Radio. Here we have a bonus episode. We are here today to interview someone brand new, but first, as always, I have my co host Joel DeWitt. Hey, Joel. Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing over there?
1: Uh, just, uh, well,
0: I tried to enjoy
1: the sunshine. It looks like it's starting to rain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Their story has significantly changed. Yes, and then the last uh, convening 20 minutes <laughs> is altered significantly. <laughs> And the man that has brought us here together today, Mister Dalton McGee. Hello. How are you doing? I'm pretty good.
2: Uh, thankfully for me, it has not started to rain, so I am still enjoying that sunshine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and you told me that you were going out and getting some barbecue soon.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm down in Memphis, a little uh, far away from home at the moment. But uh, when, when we're you know done chatting today, I'm I'm gonna go get some. Uh, S- Central Barbecue, I think, is what it's called, and uh, we'll see what it's about. Everybody's telling me it's great, so I'm excited. So you don't know what Tennessee barbecue tastes like yet. Well, see, I've been to Nashville, but not Memphis, and I've been told by people to visit that this, this is going to be a little higher, you know, caliber. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm open minded and, and, and hungry, so I'm excited.
1: <laughs> You'll have to let one of us know how it went because now I'm curious. I've had- I will. I'm going to bring some barbecue sauce too home. Yeah, so. yeah. I've had Carolina barbecue, but
2: I have not had uh, Tennessee barbecue. I feel like there's probably a bit of contention between the states there. So I'll let you know. Okay.
0: <laughs> I also like Nashville hot chicken.
2: Yeah, I had chicken yesterday, fried chicken yesterday here. And to quote my friend Kinsey, uh, it was the truth.
0: I mean, it was, it was <laughs> good. <laughs> so we're here to talk to you, Dalton, about what you do. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do in video games?
2: Yeah, so I am the uh, head coach of esports for Springfield Public Schools. It's uh, three high schools, public high schools in uh, Springfield, Illinois, that work together on a collaborative team called the Capitals. And then I'm also the head coach of esports for Lincoln Lane Community College in Springfield, Illinois.
0: Now, this isn't your day job, is it?
2: No, it's not. Um, I, I am a high school science teacher. So uh, eSports and video games is what fills my time card after 3.30, but before that, I, I am a functioning adult in the
1: uh, real world still. <laughs> as, as much as any of us can be a functioning adult right now. Well, there's yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how different or how similar the structure of the leads are in eSports compared to something like a traditional sport. I think they're definitely more
2: similar than they are different um, that you know they have governing bodies that oversee competition and create schedules and and you know play teams go against other schools in the state or as in the case of Lincoln Land, other schools in the country and uh, they they play for seeding seating in, in a in a uh, standings you know bracket and then the top teams in each season will play in the playoffs and eventually you get a state champion or you know in a collegiate case a uh, national champion so. Uh, they're they're more similar than they are different. Um, the the only small differences you'll see is that high school esports in Illinois are governed by the Illinois High School Esports Association, which is uh, we I'll probably just refer to it as the IHSEA. Uh and traditional sports are governed by the IHSA, which is the non esports version. And uh, and then in the collegiate scene, um, the NJCAA is is in charge of all junior college athletics. They are actually also in charge of esports. It's not a separate
1: entity. They just have You know, esports as well. Do you know roughly how long esports has been established in the state of Illinois with that kind of structure? Because, I mean, honestly, esports is kind of a blind spot to me in that I know it exists and you see stories bubble up about how uh, traditional sports owners like Robert Kraft are investing in huge, like, uh, professional leagues and things like that. But I I was not actually aware that there was this level of developed sort of. you know, undergraduate and high school level sports.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I uh, Springfield's team has only been a part of the IHSEA for this is our first full season together. Um, but before that, they were around. I, I, I feel like I'm going to be wrong if I say the number, but I want to say three years they've been right. a, a, um, an organized league. Um, and, and it was Todd McFarlane and Amy Whitlock were the co-founders of it. Todd, is a uh, he works in Chicago Public School District, and Amy works for Oswego East High School as a French teacher. And uh, they, you know, did a lot of work and, and now they're both on the, you know, advisory board to bring esports to the actual IHSA uh, and, and it's sort of been a product of their work to get it to this point. And now there's a, you know, whole board of directors and a, and a big team of people working together to get it as big and successful as possible in the state.
0: Wow. And, and when you say e, you kind of say esports as a generalized term. What sports are you coaching specifically?
2: At the high school level, our team plays Overwatch, Fortnite, Rocket League, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And then at the collegiate level, we play all of those except for Fortnite. So um, those those four games are pretty much the bread and butter for high school and collegiate
0: esports right now. And do you guys have, like, like again, 20 people, but five of them are the Overwatch team, five of them are the Fortnite team, and kind of split that way? Or is it everybody plays everything?
2: Uh, so, yeah, everybody is very specialized when, at the level that these kids are playing these games. I mean, just like you, when you think of a football team, you know, the quarterback, to be the best quarterback on the team, he needs to be doing things to, you know, practice for that. And he's not going to also be the best running back on the team. Um, sure. And, and so it's the same for esports. And on my team of 55 kids for the high school team, only three of them play two games. Um, and, and those three are exceptional gamers and really good at what they do. Um, but but yeah, to play at the level they have to, they just can't do it. And the time commitment they have to put forward between all the matches and the practices and everything, uh, it'd be like playing two different sports. It wouldn't. It's not just you know one thing. It's you'd have two schedules for matches and practices and, and everything.
1: So they they definitely specialize in one game for the most part. I, I imagine to be a coach of all these, you have to be at least. Uh, Familiar enough and competent enough in the game itself to be able to uh, provide guidance with them. Uh, do you have one of these games that you feel like you're most proficient at, or uh, are you sort of okay all around with them? I mean, Overwatch is definitely my background as far as these
2: games go. It's the one I've, I've been playing since shortly after it came out, and, and I've grown to love the game quite a bit. Um, but you do have to be sort of a student of the game and all of them. Um, you you at least have to be aware enough to coach. I mean, Bill Belichick is, you know, widely considered the best coach in the NFL, but he's definitely not the best quarterback in the NFL. So at a certain point, you have to acknowledge that your players are going to be better than you by a lot, and you would want them to be as well. Um, But you have to know what you're talking about. And, And then just like any traditional sport, it's not just about the game they're actually playing but it's about those you know that leadership development and th- that communication development that emotional intelligence that all comes along with being a part of a team um those are the kinds of things that uh a- as any coach would need to do i have to make sure that the kids are having instilled in them in addition to just being really good gamers and that's particularly important because gaming does have a reputation for you know raging you know teenage boys and screaming and being upset and and yeah. these kids are playing this At a level of, of like, not only a skill, but of maturity that they have to be seen as an athlete and and a student athlete that has to keep their grades up and has to behave appropriately and everything. So this is not your just, you know, kids yelling at each other gaming in the basements. You know, that's not the vibe of the team. It's really a a vibe of excellence and, and, you know,
1: academic uh, success and, and also being good at games. And, and that's a great point. I mean, uh, do, do you find yourself sometimes having to work against that kind of pre bait stigma that competitive video games has? Absolutely.
2: I mean, um, parents, you know, when you, especially with high school parents, they they sort of feel like, oh, why is my kid playing video games as much? It's going to hurt their grades. But I always tell them, you know, that's that's no more or less true than if they were constantly practicing for football. Or, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, it's not what they're doing that hurts their grades. It's the time commitment. Sure. And so – um for that reason what i've done for the high school team to fight that stigma is we actually have a higher grade requirement for our esports athletes than traditional sports athletes have um and, and the IHSA the traditional sports athletes um they are still eligible if they have one F so long as they have a 2.0 GPA and for our team if at any point in their uh weekly grade checks a kid has an F they're ineligible that week And and they know that. And so it's a good point. It's a good selling point to parents because I just tell them, listen, you know, I promise you if they're on our team and they're playing games, they also will not have Fs. Because no matter whether they're the number one kid on the team or, you know, one of the bench players, they will not be participating in the match that week if they have an F and they know it. And so um, tangible things like that are good ways to fight that stigma. But at the end of the day, there will always be people that just don't get it. And you kind of just have to take that with a grain of salt, and just know that, and move on, and do do it for the kids, and you know, not for the people that are complaining that people are playing video games. You
0: know, is there is there more of a visibility check as well as far as like their online presence goes? Because you know, you have these people who are streaming at on their own free time at home, and they get into trouble with these situations, and it doesn't even take. Uh, someone who's like say a Twitch streamer, they started streaming the you know NASCAR and F one via you know esports video games because we can't have these sports competitions right now. And all it took was one stream, and all of a sudden someone says something inappropriate, and now one of the guys is fired from NASCAR.
2: Yep. Um, so, what our general rule of thumb is that um, if, if they are wearing team like equipment or a shirt or or if they have the team logo on their stream or whatever the case is, if they are representing the team, they have a high expectation of conduct. And, and anything they do, whether it's during an actual practice or match or just on their free time, if they are being representative of the team, they're going to be held to those standards that the school and the team has laid out for them. Uh, that being said, if they're not, if they're on their free time, I mean, we're not going to go m- police all their Twitch streams and you know tell them what they are or are not allowed to say. At the end of the day, that's their responsibility. Um, So as far as looking out for that, I always make sure I'm looking out for the team and and the representation our team gives. And if a player does something egregious, thankfully we haven't got there yet Mm -hmm. or hopefully ever in our situation. Um, But if we get there, then we have a, a code of conduct lined out and we have administrators and parents. And we just keep the communication as high as possible so that everybody knows exactly what's going on. Um, but for the most part, we avoid problems like that because to even get on our teams uh, both for my high school and college team, uh, it's not just a tryout they actually have to, they also have to go through an interview process and there's some questions that I put together that sort of have helped me figure out is this the type of person that you know is is a high quality individual wants to work hard, takes themselves seriously or is this just someone who's a toxic gamer that wants to you know play video games more? Um, and thankfully that vetting process has done a lot to avoid situations where we have students that are like that and we haven't had any problems with our team.
1: So uh, moving away from a a less happy part of this (laughs) topic, uh, one thing I'm curious about, uh, obviously your teams compete with other teams. Uh, Do do you guys compete with audiences in a a room or or what, and if so, what size of audiences do you guys get or, or what kind of setup do you typically have? Generally speaking, through the regular season for high school and college,
2: um, all the regular season matches are played remotely. So we have you know, the eSports Arena at Landfair High School for, spring f- for the Capitals, and then we have the arena at uh, Lincoln Land and Cast Gymnasium for the, for the loggers. And the regular season, we get together in our arena, they get on their machines and whatever the case may be, and they play against whatever school they're playing against. If you make the playoffs, that is when we start to have our in-person LAN competitions. Uh, And so I remember the first exposure I actually had to the IHSEA was attending and commentating at the Overwatch state finals of last season, of 2018-2019. And there was, I want to say, 60 people in this uh, um, auditorium that were uh, together for each of the teams. And they had the teams competing in their own separate room, and then all the spectators got together in this auditorium. And the commentators were in a booth, and they projected it on this big screen. It was it was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, we actually just hosted at, at Springfield um, the biggest high school Super Smash Brothers tournament in Illinois, certainly, and <laughs> potentially in the Midwest. We're not actually sure. I need to look at that. But we had, um, I want to say, 160 people, 160 to 180 people uh, in attendance watching all these kids uh, duke it out in a really big Super Smash Brothers tournament. Uh, And so, so it really depends on where it is. Can the facilities host more people to watch um, or, or what it is, you know, is this a game that draws huge crowds or is this a game where people like to watch from home? Um, But you do get people watching and those usually will happen for your playoff matches.
0: Okay. Okay. And what, what drew you to kind of esports as a whole? Like, what does it mean to you? So it's funny you say that because this is the one question I always have trouble
2: answering because I was student teaching at Southeast High School and it feels like the next thing I knew we had a team and I was in charge of it. And I just don't remember how it all happened. I was very (laughs) fast and it was administrators saying, yes, we we think this is a good idea and it it took off. All I can really say as far as what drew me is when I was younger, I played Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PlayStation 2. And it was the first game where... I was part of a clan, and we would do clan battles against other clans, and, you know, there was, like, you know, buy-ins and money payouts for the winners of these tournaments, and I was like, wow, this is really fun. And since then, I've always been big on games that are, you know, player versus player. A lot of people like story games or whatever the case is, and, and they're great, but I've always been the one that wanted to play Mario Kart or Mario Party or... Star Wars Battlefront Two, or nowadays Overwatch, Fortnite, all these games where you're playing against actual people. Because what I love about esports is the human competitive aspect of them, as opposed to just the quest or the story aspect of them. And so, a few years ago, I went to uh, Los Angeles and saw the first season of the Overwatch League uh, play at, at um, oh I, the Blizzard Arena. I cannot think of the name of the building, but it was it's in Anaheim. And I was there and just realized, oh my gosh, this is something that would be so cool to coach or be a part of at the high school level. And then I came back, spit an idea, and it snowballed from there. And now I, you know, have a lot of
1: responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, that's kind of how our
0: podcast started too.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Just started pitching ideas, and then somehow it snowballed. And the next thing we knew, we had we had episodes.
2: Yeah, I just, I just look back on it and I remember the athletic director at Southeast High School and the principal were game for it. They thought it was cool. And then we had tryouts happen and over a hundred kids walked through the door to get the tryout information. And then I had the football coach and the baseball coach looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, what, how did you get this many kids with two announcements? And, and that was the interest we saw at the other schools when we expanded to the capitals as well. Um, we had over 300 people try out for a team that I could fit no more than 55 on. Wow. And it, was cra- it was crazy because um, a lot of sports, and, and, you know, maybe huge high schools, this isn't the case, but in our area in central Illinois, if you try out for a team, you may not start all the time, but you will be on the team. You know, you'll have a jersey and everything. And esports, we just couldn't do that. We, I mean, there was just no way for me to possibly manage over 300 people. Uh, and so we had to cut that down a, a lot and, and we're taking some steps and getting a bigger staff to accommodate Um, a non-competitive aspect of the team, sort of a club component moving forward because we want as many people involved as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, the the interest was there. Uh, Kids told me they were interested in it when I was asking about it. And then we said, okay, let's have tryouts. And it was overwhelming and and encouraging from that point on for how many kids wanted to do this.
0: And that's kind of how you're looking to expand is making it into like almost like a club aspect where you can kind of hang out and be part of something without necessarily competing
2: yeah basically what we're gonna do next year is my goal is every single person that tries out will be guaranteed a spot on the club team mm-hmm. uh, and and then they will also have our competitive team like our varsity roster and so those those kids will be the ones with you know intense practice schedules, intense grade requirements, et cetera and then if for some reason they you know somebody quit the team or grades kicked somebody off or whatever happened, we would have a farm system of these kids that are still playing together still around the culture of the team and know the expectations that we can just say, hey, we we need to call somebody up. It's, it's your name. we you want to come play for us? And then, you know, they have a community that they feel like they're a part of. They have people that they're sharing interest with. And then we also have a large pool of people to pull from that we know care about gaming that we could always fill the team if we needed after that.
0: Almost like intramurals.
2: Yeah, basically is what it would be like. We would have like the varsity team and everybody didn't make it, you're the intramurals. We'll have, like, you play against each other and, and keep things fresh,
0: hang out once a week, that kind of stuff. And then you get uh, to, like, learn you know, how to be better to the point that you'll eventually get on the team if you, you know, maintain Right, your- from a
2: functional standpoint, it's, it's like um, having a farm system, really. I mean, like, yeah. you know, minor league baseball gets, gets the whole purpose of minor league baseball is to make their major league team better. And that's sort of what this would be like. The whole purpose of this club is to create a community where they feel a part of something, but also that we have a strong future of our team. Maybe a freshman tried out, wasn't quite what we needed yet, uh, wasn't quite ready for varsity or JV. Well, they're going to be that much better because they've been playing all along than they would have been had they just you know got cut and weren't a part of it for a year.
0: So continuing on wh- how you're expanding your idea, are you moving into trying to encompass more to it? Like are you trying to organize more groups in schools, trying to break out into the Chicagoland area?
2: So the like I mentioned earlier, the IHSEA had already been established before we joined. Mm-hmm. And so plenty of Chicago area schools were already a part of that and downstate area schools as well. Um, for example, Salem Community High School is even farther south than us. Uh, and they were a part of it, mm. and so it—it it wasn't really us needing to make a name for ourselves and and break in. It was more just this organization already existed, and we finally have a team from the capital there. Um, and so w- we immediately, you know, befriended some schools in the area. We we kind of have a really strong uh, relationship with Naperville North High School, for example. Um, mm. Our teams have played together a lot and really enjoy each other's company, and the coaching staffs are really close. So. It's sort of just an organic thing where this organization already existed and we get to know everybody and, and the relationships that get built get built, and we kind of go from there and compete. So it wasn't like we had to graduate to being good enough to play against Chicago schools. It was just we joined the organization and we're already good enough to play against the Chicago schools.
0: That's awesome.
2: <laughs> Don't underestimate the uh, southern region of Illinois. I'm saying Springfield's got talent. <laughs> and, and especially, I, I'm not sure what all you guys are wanting to chat about, but especially as Fortnite goes, um, we showed up, Year one, and and the way that the Fortnite playoffs work is that everything in Fortnite is duos for high school, okay. and so the top sixteen duos in the state make the playoffs. Of the top sixteen duos in the state, seven of our eight duos were in the playoffs.
0: Wow! And so almost
2: half of the entire playoff lineup for the state playoffs for Fortnite were from our team. Um, our our team is insane. Um, our Overwatch team is top five in the state. Fortnite team is number one. Our varsity Rocket League team finished third in state. Our JV Rocket League team won the JV state title. And so we just have a lot of success, and it's honestly all because we have
1: all this talent that um, I don't think a lot of the administrators around here had any idea existed. So, I, I wouldn't dare say that either of us could hang with your teams, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't hang with my team. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. But Alex and I have put a lot of time into Overwatch uh, several years back. Uh, I am big into Rocket League and and Smash Brothers Ultimate, actually. Uh, Fortnite's one of those where I it, it is kind of a blind spot. I, I've tried a handful of times, but it's just something that doesn't click with me. And I think it's the. It's the shooter aspect coupled coupled with the uh Battle royale and the building stuff is sort of like the extra step of gameplay that sort of uh is my still ceiling limit and so uh I'm I'm fascinated when I watch people play that game because the rate at which people can build these structures while moving on the fly and shooting at people and covering is just mind-boggling. It me. is, and I always tell people, because I play Overwatch primarily
2: too, and the difference between Overwatch and Fortnite is that when you shoot at somebody in Overwatch, they don't suddenly turn into a 10-story building. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so that is definitely an aspect of the game that's really challenging and, and an aspect of the game that is all muscle memory and then it's all IQ. They have to get muscle memory down to be able to crank 90s and surround themselves in a second with a box, and that's really hard to do. But you have some of these kids that, I mean, their brains are working so fast. While they're building, they're creating their escape routes for if something goes wrong where they're going, they can quickly get back down. And and it's just, the things they do blows my mind every day. And uh, I agree with you. Fortnite is one that I I will never be that good I will always be the ground warrior who hopes my team will build around me, and I just hope that I have a good shot for
1: when it matters. So uh, you mentioned the part about how you train up. Uh, outside of, obviously, they play the game itself to train, but are there any exercises or routines you go through with your competitors to help them build some of those abilities outside of a video game? So it, um it depends on the game and when you say outside do you mean like like a physical exercise before we start kind of thing yeah, yeah. something like that or even like uh you, you mentioned about like uh, dexterity and things like uh any sort of physical exercises or routines that you might do to prep yeah so uh obviously with esports you don't
2: have the the you know chance of risk that you would have in football but um there there are certainly injuries that can happen in esports and so we do try to make sure the kids know that um, you, you have to do warm-ups, whether it's you know wrist rolls or or, or you know sh- stretches where you, you know, like extend your arm forward and your your palm flat, and then you pull back on the top of your fingers, that sort of stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that they would do to make sure that they're avoiding rapid stress and or repeated stress injuries or issues with carpal tunnel or anything like that that has actually ended some esports athletes' careers um, sure. because they didn't take themselves seriously. And the other thing that's really important that if someone's listening to this and they want to know, you know, why am I constantly sore after gaming for all these hours is posture. And thankfully, we have really, really good chairs in our esports arenas that um, are built to help their posture. And then these kids use these chairs in the arena and they go home and they think, oh, why am I sitting, you know, like a banana right now? And I, I, <laughs> I need to sit like I was at the arena. And it's sort of just an overall wellness um, expectation, you know. Are you sleeping enough? Are you drinking enough water? Like you said, we were just talking about, you know, building 90s and Fortnite and these builds these guys have. Um, the smallest difference in reaction time will make the difference in whether one, someone wins a state title or not. And and so the, that reaction time is only there if they're getting enough sleep, they're getting enough food, they're drinking enough water. I mean, these pretty basic things that high schoolers are not good at, um, they, they know that if they don't do it, whether they're practicing or not, they will not be as prepared as someone else who does do that. So it's sort of a stress and overall wellness and, um, some basic stretches to make sure they're not hurting themselves when they're playing and doing whatever the case is for the game. But, um, but yeah, that's sort of the physical aspect of it. I'd say,
0: do you have any, do you have any outward non-physical trainers? Uh, there was a product I recently just purchased on steam. That is just a first person shooter practicing like game that will just give you these different challenges. And yeah, it actually, it goes per game. There's a Fortnite section that you can, that if you, if you plug into it, it'll show you how you should be shooting and practice your shooting and your clicks and reaction time and stuff like that. So
2: I don't know what that is, but you're going to have to send me what the name of what that is after this. i want to look at that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, for each game, there's, there's different skills that are important. For example, Overwatch, if, if somebody is a support player, they need uh, a, a much higher focus on their IQ and game sense than someone who is playing DPS, where they need to be able to click heads every single time. So um, different warm-ups exist. I know there's a game that I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head, but it's a music game where they have to like click and, fall and track on the screen while music's playing. And it's really good to get their um, hand-eye coordination down. Uh, there's some very basic warm-ups, like uh, like clicking the right spots on the screen, like targets appear on the screen, you have to click them as fast as you can type warm-ups. Um, and so things like that are good for the shooters. And then as far as Rocket League goes, um, it, it's not on PlayStation and Xbox, or I guess on consoles at all, but on the PC version of Rocket League. Uh, you, there are plenty of warm-ups you can do prior to matches, like... You know, aerial practice or, you know, dri- dribble the ball up to this point through all these obstacles and things like that. That if kids can do that consistently in a warm up, um, those skills translate really quickly when they need to do that in a game.
0: Sure. Awesome. Now, what is, do you have a background in physical sports at all?
2: Uh, so I've played baseball a little bit, but um, I've, I have always been a gigantic baseball fan. I watched football my entire life, believe it or not. Watched a good amount of NASCAR, um, which is why that kind of cracked me up when you mentioned earlier how that's being played as a video game right now for everybody's entertainment. <laughs> um, but uh, but mostly, it's just been surrounding myself with sports my whole life, um, it, and you can actually see influences of that in our team when when we. Uh, we're designing the Springfield Capitals logos. I told the person in charge of our logo design, but I wanted it to be kind of like a baseball team where we had our primary logo, our secondary logo, the logo that would go on our hats, and then also that circle logo that all teams seem to have. like the, I think of like the Oakland Athletics with the A's and the circle around it. Sure. Um, we, have, we have four different logos, so I wanted our team to feel really legitimate in the sense that these kids felt like they were on a sports team, not they were getting together and playing video games. Um, and so the, the real influences of my sports background is in how tryouts work, how our, everything is designed, our aesthetics as a team, uh, just to make them feel as legitimate as possible when they have these jerseys and everything.
0: Now, uh, I kind of went into expansion before. What Have you thought about, are you going to expand into, the, for instance, Apex Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, anything like that, or any ideas of moving towards that? Or uh, what, Valorant right now? That's really Yeah, it's Valorant. Uh, yeah,
2: so the general rule of thumb, at least at high school, is rated M games will not be esports. Um, okay, I I have a personal disagreement with that simply because I I I always have felt that it's the parents' responsibility to have a conversation with their kids and decide what is appropriate for them to play, not the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there are a lot of you know religiously affiliated private schools in the IHSEA, and they would never be able to participate in certain games um, like Rainbow Six, for example, you mentioned. Um, so. If I had anything to say about it, we would pretty much have permission slips and kids could play whatever games they wanted. But I also know that, as we mentioned earlier, there is this battle against stigmas in gaming, and that's just not a fight worth having yet. Um, and you're, so, you're
0: still uh, like, early, you know, like that, the, this is all still so new. Yeah, and so
2: I think that once it becomes part of the mainstream and it's more accepted that they're even playing video games and getting scholarships for them, that you can start to see games that might be a little risque nowadays that are accepted as long as parents are fine with it down the road because esports are you know, as, as, as common at school as traditional sports are. Um, but as far as other games go, it, it's not up to each school necessarily to say, oh, you know what, we're going to have an Apex team. Um, it's sort of the, the Illinois High School Esports Association has laid out these are the games that we sanction and we create seasons for, mm. and then you create teams to match those. Um, Valorant, I, I see Valorant being added next year. Almost all of the coaches I've talked to all think it's going to because it's so hugely received right now, and it so obviously lends itself towards being an eSport and it's rated T. Um, so we'll probably see Valorant added. I didn't mention League of Legends earlier. Yeah, I was curious because, about that one. Yeah, so we don't play it in Springfield because we just had no interest in tryouts. <laughs> wow. Um, and and I mean, league's eleven years old now, mm-hmm. and, and with with some recent developments with how Riot is handling the game, um, it, it does sort of feel like they're you know strangling out high school and collegiate uh, league play because of all the restrictions necessary now to be able to have a league tournament. Um, but so I'm not real sure about this future of League of Legends. I know it's been a big part of esports for ten years, and especially the collegiate scene. But um, our, our team just doesn't play it, so I just don't really worry about it personally. I let everybody, I let everybody else in the state handle that one.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that definitely makes sense.
1: Is there a game that you aren't doing right now that you wish you'd be able to coach a team for? Uh, I would love to see a, a bigger presence of sports games. Um,
2: yeah. I, I would like to see 2K, Madden, FIFA added. Um, I think a lot of kids in our district play them. And I think that uh, for example, if we had a Madden team and the Madden season was a spring eSport because they, they get split up over the season, you would have a good reason to have football players need to maintain eligibility in the fall. And then they also need to maintain eligibility when they're Madden players in the spring. Um, and you know vice versa for soccer players in FIFA, or basketball players in 2K. I think if the the eSports seasons for these sports games were at a different time than the actual traditional sport that they're playing, you would have these student-athletes that are required to maintain these high grades all the time. And obviously kids that play football are probably going to be interested in playing Madden. So I would like to see more of a, a heavy sports gaming aspect to eSports in Illinois, uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. We, you know, All we can do is advocate for it, see if we can draw up interest, and when the IHSEA sees that a number of schools want to do it, they have a tendency
1: to put stuff together for it. See, that's interesting because part of – Alex and I have talked about this in the past, but part of what I feel like needs for the mainstream appeal of some of the eSports stuff is something that somebody outside of the gaming realm of interest could connect to, and and that's why I kind of see something like Rocket League being a great – eSport because it has a little bit of the DNA of being a soccer-type game, just being with with cars and you can fly in the air and rocket boost and stuff. So, like, watching a game of Rocket League uh, feels very translatable to the average person of understanding what's happening, right? Yeah. Whereas, whereas in Overwatch, there's so much happening, so much team coordination, and uh, depending on who you're focusing on, like, you listen to a match, and commentators, and they're having to rattle off at a lightning pace of what's happening to translate it to people at home watching. So uh, I, I sort of wonder how much of that uh, watchability plays into what things turn into viable esports. Yeah, it's
2: definitely a big part of it. I think a, a big part of what makes a successful esport is its you know, audience ability. And Rocket League, I think, is the perfect Esport, or sort of like sort of gateway esport, for lack of a better term for people because you know the average person has a, a basic understanding of how soccer works and so rocket league is fun because it's not just a sport on a video game it's it is a it is a video game that you understand because you understand soccer whereas you know you mentioned overwatch but especially with something like league i mean league is a steep learning curve for understanding what's going on i still have no idea what's going on and i've watched it a lot <laughs> and, and so um I think that the, the the esports that will be really successful off the bat, um, or at least to a broader audience, will be the ones like Rocket League, Madden, 2K. Uh, you do hear some pushback from people, like maybe you know Madden gets streamed on Facebook a lot right now. There's a lot of NFL players playing in a Madden league against each other right now, and uh, the only pushback on it is, well, why would I watch this when I could watch real football? And and I get that. But also since, you know, the coronavirus pandemic is ravaging the world and we can't play real football, um, it, esports have sort of risen right now as the thing that we can all do and have com- competition and, and still have something. Uh, obviously, corona won't last forever, but um, it, esports will remain that thing that no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are, how tall you are, uh, esports is not about your genes. It's not about the uncontrollable aspects of who you are. It is about your dedication and your, and your passion. And that's it. Um, if you love it and you want to get good at it, no matter who you are, you can. And I think that's kind of cool about esports. And hopefully the average person can see that and have an appreciation for that. But all you can do is, you know, advocate for it as best you can.
0: Now to, to go along with what you said before about uh, having offset seasons for real uh, physical football versus uh, Madden. Uh, that is, it's an interesting concept because it would then lead to people having to hone these two sets of skills between being intellectually and dex, uh, you know intelligent, and then having these also these uh, ability to be dexterous, you know, using your hands and quick thinking, and then adding that to okay, well now I have to physically be fit enough and to be able to do all this extra activity. It would it would give a, a well-rounded experience in in my head about what yeah, somebody could I do. do. I completely agree. I think that
2: um, you know a, a number of uh, student athletes play two sports, but if if they have only ever done something that makes them run faster in college or in high school, then uh, th- that's going to be what they do. Uh, but like you said, if, if they have these experiences that force them to be well-rounded, they'll head to college, in my opinion, more equipped to handle the real world, um, both in critical thinking and in their you know physical health.
0: Now, let's let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> Which, what are you playing? Uh, so, I ha-
2: I mean, I, I will always play Overwatch. I, it'll always be there, and I'll get on and play with friends. Um, I have been playing a lot of Star Wars Battlefront two again, uh, because the 2005 version of the game is available on Steam for only $10 right now. Okay. And so I saw that, and I went, okay, time to play this again. And yeah. I've been having a blast. Um, that's sort of my uh, blow some steam off game, because... I mean, as you might imagine, when when I'm constantly surrounded by esports in and e- and these games that we play, um, I need a break from them occasionally, mm-hmm. and so Star Wars Battlefront 2 has sort of been my uh, relax, I, you know, you're good at this, just enjoy it game. Um, but I, but I, I, I play all of them to a certain extent, except Rocket League, um, only because I haven't had the time, and I am so bad. Um, <laughs> I could get there, and I, I certainly have a Rocket League coach that's trying to get me there, um, but I am just awful, and so uh, I, I play a little bit of all of them, to be perfectly honest. Wait, you so have your hey. own coach? Uh, yeah, so my coaching staff, at, at least at the high school level, um, I am the head coach the team. I also have a coach who is our Rocket League coach. I have a Super Smash Brothers coach, and I have a Fortnite coach. And then I double as the Overwatch coach. And uh, our staff, uh, we all help out each other when needed, especially when one season is kind of at a dip and not a lot is on their plate. Um, but I could not do it without a staff that big, and I want it to be bigger. Um, and so we're we're potentially looking to get more coaches, and even within the game, you know, we have a captain on each team that but, has a leadership role.
0: But I mean, he's he's coaching you.
2: <laughs> uh, well, he will be coaching me unofficially, yes, <laughs> uh, because Lord knows I'm going to be unable to get good without him, and then my players carrying me to a, a, a falsely high rank. I'm sure will happen. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, aside from Rocket League, I do pretty much play all of our esports we've been talking about. And then Star Wars Battlefront Two, I play. Um, MLB The Show, I play a lot of. Okay. Uh, I've been playing that since it came out, since it the 2008 uh, installation. I played every year of it, and um, and then I also play a lot of Star Trek Online for when I need a little more creative medium and, and sort of a grindy story mentality.
0: That's been go- that's even another one that's been going on for a long time.
2: Yeah, it has. I think it just celebrated its 10 year anniversary as well. I've been playing it for about seven. Um, it is the only game that my dad and I both play, and so. Um, we'll both play together, I would rather say Because uh, he's not even close to me in MLB The Show um, <laughs> and, and just doesn't enjoy playing against me at this point But uh, but we do play Star Trek Online together So that's also ha- doubled as a sort of cool thing When we're not able to be around each other really um, We can get on STO and play together And, and I really enjoy that about that game
0: So, uh, yeah, see, I call them like my time wasters Where I'm just like, well, this is the game I'm going to be trying to get good at For a very short period of time The <laughs> Like, because... Uh, I I bought the Apex Legends Battle Pass, and I'm like, well, this is the game I'm playing now for a while, and I got good at it, and then I stopped playing for a week, and I came back, and I was like, oh, I lost everything now. Yeah, I,
2: uh, I'm i trying to think of what my big time waster is. Right now it's Madden, because uh, I used to play it all the time, but I, I haven't really played Madden seriously since they restructured the game and added the Ultimate Team and all this other stuff to it. So I got it, and uh, I thought, well... I'll- Play it for about a week, and I went, "Wow, this is not the same game it used to be." It's still a lot of fun, but I am not as good as I used to be. And so, per- per- currently, I'm trying to work on getting back to my former glory in Madden. Um, <laughs> but that, that's pr- that's pretty much my time waster at the moment.
0: So now, we've kind of gone how you've been growing and c- you know c- taking care of everything with all uh, with both high school and collegiate levels. How do you see kind of esports growing further? Do you think that it'll be more normalized over time? Do you think that there'll be more in conjunction with traditional sports leagues and you'll see more like minor and pro leagues? How do do you feel about seeing it branch off into different areas in unique ways?
2: It is really so hard to predict that. And and I only say that because, um, you know, prior to our chat today, one of the things you mentioned was um, how... Oh, man, now I've lost my train of thought. I'm going to come back to that in a second. I, I will say, um, you mentioned earlier, Robert Kraft bought a team. And like, yeah. he owns the Boston Uprising, one of the Overwatch League teams. And um, I think that the the money in esports is the first step to its legitimacy. Um, uh, in 2018, esports became a billion-dollar industry in the United States. And so that was that's a statistic when Forbes reported that that shocked a lot of people. And they're wondering what all these people are doing playing video games. Um, and so I think that the money needs to be there from above, and then the grassroots power needs to be there from below. Uh, and, and when that happens, that's when esports start to spread. I don't know what's going to happen with pro scene or you know, minor league stuff like that because um, now I remember what I was going to say. Um, these games are still owned by private companies. And so they, like Fortnite, for example doesn't really have a serious competitive medium outside of the tournaments that Epic Games organizes still because with them being in charge of them, they have all this money coming into them still, like the the Fortnite World Cup and and these cash cups and all the other things they have going on. There's not like a uh, professional Fortnite league because at the end of the day, these are games owned by companies, not just a game anybody can play in their backyard. You know, Right. And so it's really hard to predict in my opinion, what's going to happen. The Overwatch League was the first really serious um, traditional sport-like league in eSports, and uh, that's where you saw teams from across the world where they had, I mean, it really was just like a traditional sports setup except they were playing video games. Um, that's the That was the first real success story, but the Overwatch League even – is kind of falling in hard times right now with some dropping viewership, and they got rid of their minor leagues. Their Overwatch contenders are is, is coming to an end, and it's not going to be a thing anymore. And so, just when we thought it was really strong in Overwatch League, and that they were like, you know, the the pristine example of what it would be like for you know, bridging over to a more traditional feel, uh, they changed everything too. So, um, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. Um, and I, and, but I don't. And I feel like we are kind of just along for the ride and
1: to a certain extent at the mercy of whatever these companies that own the games are wanting their games to become. Yeah, that's part of what I found fascinating. You sort of touched on a point that I was going to ask you about in that these are private companies, privately made games and owned and operated by them in an in industry where it really thrives on sequelization or, or having a new version of the game for the next console drop or something. And so uh, I, I'm kind of fascinated to see You know, if they find a way to institutionalize some of these games, because for your traditional sports, baseball is baseball. MLB exists, but like they don't own the rights to baseball. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it it adds a fascinating wrinkle in that, like, you wonder does some uh, group conglomerate go to, you know, psionics and say, hey, we'll buy out Rocket League from you for this amount? and, And now it is going to be just like, the Rocket League, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, the Rocket League League.
0: <laughs> yeah, because the the really yeah. it comes down to is it would the it, will it go more of the traditional sports or is it going to be something completely different? It's
2: I think it's going to be something completely different because um, even, I mean League of Legends, for example, hasn't really had a sequel over the last eleven years, mm-hmm. and it, it got, has the most playership of any game in the world um, over that time period, and it had tons of money put into it. But even League, I mean, think about how technology changes all of this, too. As we get more advanced technologically, games become more advanced. League feels a little outdated um, Mm -hmm. in terms of its graphics and the capabilities compared to some games being released today, whereas technology is not going to affect how baseball is played on field. Right, Um, and certainly you know no more than changing helmets, bats, whatever it may be. But it certainly doesn't completely change the landscape of the game. So I think esports are probably just going to be a different thing. I think it's going to be you know what's popular for the next five years. What for the for the all time great games? Maybe they last ten years. You know, Um, but this we're going to be getting new games, getting new competitive aspects of esports. And I think that it's just a different animal entirely. You'll have kids. You'll have kids that are good at gaming they'll have all these options to choose from and they can chase their joy and get really good at it um but you'll you'll probably never see it get to the height of traditional sports just because you can't have that tradition aspect or that you know oh i've been playing this game for 30 years aspect cuz it's just not realistic in gaming
0: yeah and it's also yeah like interesting with the 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 games you said league looking a little bit outdated but it's funnier when they have things like evo the fighting game tournaments and they'll They'll purposely like, oh, this is a new patch build and it's like, Oh, okay, does this patch change how I play next? You know, I'm playing my right. matches next week and it's like, Oh no, I gotta make sure, you know. Well, even Overwatch deals with some of the uh, different
1: patches, nerfing different abilities, boosting others, or you have characters having doing a complete overhaul of their toolkit entirely. So uh you know, yeah, <laughs> even those experience, those kind of challenges, right? Yeah, and and even right now in
2: Overwatch they have these hero bans they've just recently introduced. So, yep. when a character gets played a lot the previous week, they're not allowed to be played in competitive play at all for the next week. And so that forces people to play different characters and and the the I think unwanted side effect that happens now is, you know, let's say you're a McCree main in Overwatch and McCree gets banned, you just don't play the game for a week because it upsets you. And and so th- th- that is a um, a thing Overwatch is facing right now and I just think in general These games are so fluid and they change so much and new games introduced and and it, you know, piques the interest of a 14-year-old differently than the game they played last year did. Um, And so uh, it's hard to compare them completely to traditional sports. But what is the same as traditional sports and what will continue to be the same is having people that are very skilled at something they love doing. And it forces them to keep good grades. It is, you know, it can give them scholarships if that school is playing that game um, so those things are the same as traditional sports, but uh, the, the way it will develop over the next 50 or 100 years is, is probably nowhere near close to what traditional sports are.
0: Now, have you guys ever thought about getting the coaches together and like, okay, we're going to be playing each other or like, like, oh, I'm going to play Naperville North's coach in this game and kind of go back and forth just outside of the realm of your games? Like, oh, oh we're going to do this official match. No, side match, coaches only. We've, we have, I've been trying to get something together,
2: um, more organized than what we've had. I I will say that Super Smash Brothers tournament we hosted, I mentioned, um, over the lunch break, we had a, um, a coach's tournament that happened and the kids loved it. Um, and, and, uh, my Super Smash Brothers coach was on the opposite side of the bracket as me and actually we got to the final against each other. So Springfield kind of flexed that tournament. Um, And he beat me, and I was upset about that uh, in front of my kids (laughs) as they were cheering against me, which, of course, (laughs) why wouldn't they? Um, But uh, the coaches played together there. When coronavirus first started and we weren't sure how we were going to finish the high school season, we did fill that time with uh, some coaches across the state played league against each other. I actually commentated that one. Um, We had some coaches play Overwatch against each other. Uh, and so we do a little bit, but the problem is, like like I, like my my own situation, our, our coaches in the state are very busy uh, where it comes to teaching and coaching. And then, unlike me, a lot of them have you know spouse or kids or anything else going on that just makes them so busy. And uh, if I'm sitting here busy, I can't imagine what it's like having all that on my plate, and then your kids wanting you to play in your own matches against coaches. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, uh, for for me, my last question, when they do things like Evo, uh, the fighting game tournament, there's always these side kind of hustle small games of like the, the Catherine, the puzzle game, or um, I want to say like Lethal League, where it's almost like a tennis kind of back and forth game and they'll be playing it on the side. Do, do your kids have like a little bit of like a side game or like, oh, we're playing Lethal League over here or something like that just for fun or something?
2: Uh, So we go to, what what immediately comes to mind is we go to a weekly Super Smash Brothers tournament out at Lake Springfield. Mm -hmm. And um, what goes on there is while Ultimate is being played, there are also some uh, TVs that are dedicated to Project M or to playing Melee or to playing, you know, whatever other game that's going on. So there's always a little something, but I think for the most part, uh, at least as far as my team is concerned, they're not really big into those uh, obscure games as much as they are. Uh, playing there is really hard. Um, but you, but you, I can't speak for everyone. They certainly all have those different interests or so a random game that for whatever reason some person they knew played it back in the day and they like it and nobody's even heard of it. Um, I sort of feel like that's how Star Wars Battlefront 2 is for me nowadays, but that's probably just my age sewing, um, <laughs> because I thought it was huge, but now it's not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... You, you always have a little something going on like that, but for the most part of these high school tournaments, it's pretty much the game we're playing is what's being played right there.
0: Now, may I also suggest the new Battlefront 2, I'm told... Oh, I love it. ...has um,
2: been I, updated. Yeah, the new Battlefront 2 is excellent. and I love that game. The only reason the 2005 version sticks to me is, is is honestly the, um you know... Oh, gosh, the word is not coming to me. Oh, man, I'm just going to stop because we had a chat. But <laughs> sentimental value, thank you. Okay, yes, got it. I'm back. Uh, the sentimental value of the game is important to me. And also, I just, I don't know, I understood that game inside and out. I knew the maps, I knew the the vehicles, I knew everything about it. And so it's fun to just get into a game where I know I can succeed. The new Battlefront 2, though, to its credit, is beautiful and a huge improvement on the, the, the first uh, version of the new game. Um, and so, you know, I wish that was an eSport. I'm not sure how it would be, but if it was, I'd be very happy.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure you want to pick that fight with Disney right now. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for
0: me. Joel, do you have anything else?
1: Who do you main in
2: Smash Brothers? Uh, so my big five are uh, Dr. Mario, Bowser, Ganondorf, Pikachu, and do- Mr. Game & Watch. Solid list.
0: Now, yeah, uh, I- hit
2: me with Overwatch.
0: Uh,
2: so I'm a support main. Um, I hope my kids never hear me say this because they'll roast me. But I really, over the time, like since Overwatch came come out, I've played everybody to a certain extent the only two characters I am trash with and could probably not get out of silver in competitive ranking is uh Sombra and Genji. Um, I can't play them at all. I don't <laughs> understand how to play them, but, uh, pretty much can play any support character really strong. And then, uh, I, I, my first character I ever played was McCree and I love playing McCree. Um, Roadhog is a lot of fun, but I am a mercy main. I'm ashamed. Yes. to admit it. <laughs> I have played mercy more than any other character in the game. Um, but, uh, But a lot of that was when she was able to res five people at a time, and you know, people would be so excited because they almost got a team kill, and then somebody on the team would say, "Wait, where's the Mercy?" And that was my (laughs) favorite part in the world. Um, But since that change happened, I played a lot of uh, Lucio and Moira and Mercy, and that's pretty and Brigida. Recently, I've been
0: playing a lot. So uh, yeah, definitely playing support remain here. You're in good company. (laughs) That's when we (laughs) fell off. Joel fell off when when they changed Mercy, and he was pretty upset
1: yeah it was oh, it was sad they um, they want to cater too much to the d p s as if that's somehow cheating them out of their kills when it's like you're giving you're giving the support characters the same kind of thrill of being able to clear somebody somebody else's team effort you know yeah and so support is a thankless job
2: in any game but particularly in overwatch because when you are doing well nobody notices and when you aren't everybody yells so um <laughs> so it's it's a thankless job but uh, I've got that nurturing personality in pretty much any game I play, so I will be a proud support player. And uh, It's sort of funny, in Naperville North, I mentioned earlier, they're the, they're the best uh, Overwatch team in, in the state as far as high school teams go, and their coach is also a Mercy Main. So we're pretty convinced that Mercy Mains are the best coaches for Overwatch teams. Makes sense to me. Yep, seems legit.
0: Where can we reach you? Because I want, I want to make sure that if anybody wants to like shout you out or anything like that, where can people reach you?
2: So I know uh, Twitter is where a lot of people uh, talk about eSports. So my personal Twitter account is at Wrigley, as in Wrigley Field, the home of the Cubs, um, at Wrigley McGee. And I'm sure you guys will have my name spelled somewhere, wherever this is. So it's harder <laughs> than it has to be. Yeah. Um, Wrigley McGee is pretty much my gamer tag on things. Wrigley is what I go by. And then on Instagram is at Dalton McGee. And uh, those are the two places that are really easy to get a hold of me, reach out, and uh, – but yeah, if somebody wanted to chat about esports or how to get their high school or college going, I'd be very happy to chat with them. It's, it was a, a crazy last year, but now we have two thriving programs, and I'm really proud of what we've got going on in Central Illinois.
0: Fantastic. And thank you so much for taking your time to kind of hang out with us. And- no, it was fun. I appreciate you guys reaching out.
2: I'm, I'm happy to chat about esports anytime because, like we said earlier, it's, it's all about normalizing it and people realizing it. That it's a big deal, and any chance we can get to have a cool conversation like this, I'm happy
0: to do that. Uh, Joel, any other any follow ups last minute? or Are you good?
1: No, uh, just thanks for joining us. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, find me one v one. I will look forward <laughs> to that. Feel free to i, I will we'll connect and get each other, and we might stream for a
2: little bonus content for your podcast. Uh, the one v one against Coach McGee. Yeah, that'd be
1: fun. Let's let's figure that
0: out. Sounds <laughs> good. And I, I have already followed you on uh, my personal account and the Super GG Radio Twitter, so you should see uh, follows from that. Sounds good. And you can find us all at Super GG Radio, uh, at, and if you have emails, Super Radio at gmail dot com, slash Radio. This is Alex Arona, and that's Joel Dewitt, and that is also Dalton McGee. Thank you, everybody, so much. GG, Joel. Good game. GG, Dalton. See ya. Good night, everybody.